bringing us all together. We love this study. We love the men in here and our teacher. God bless him. Bless the little church and Jeff and the kids and the kid ministry. Lord, we bring the, the war in Ukraine before you and ask you to end this. Bring peace. Mm. Bless the families and the that lost their loved ones, all the wives, all the kids who lost their fathers in the last few months. Thank you for our freedoms here in this country. Nevertheless, Lord, you know we're in this. Put your comforting hand on our government and bring justice here to the United States. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Tom. Um, all right. Um, let's open up to the end of John. Um, almost the end of John, to um, so the verse we, we began the study with on page 122. Everyone have a... Yeah, everyone's got their book. Okay. Um, if anybody needs one, I've got one here. So, so page 122, uh, John 2030. Uh, and this is sort of a, as a, a little bit of an introduction to where we're going to go with our passage today. But I want to... Relook at again what is the purpose of why John wrote John? Why do, why do we have this? Which is really why we're here. Um, so, anybody want to read 30 to 31? Sure. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So what did we say as we were looking at this? What did we say is the whole purpose of why John wrote this book? What's For everyone to believe in Christ. Okay. But why? And continue to believe. Okay, why? very good. Yeah, excellent. Excellent, John. Why believe in Christ? So that you may have life. Well, he doesn't say it. He is God. Again, so what? So that by believing, you may have life in his name. Yeah, and notice it doesn't just say. Eternally in his name. Right. Very good. Very good. And life abundantly. And life abundantly, which he also says in John. Right now, he gives life today. and life abundantly, which is the only place it says that John. But yeah. today, starting today, you can have life abundantly. It's incredible how, how we overlook the obvious and choose to go our own personal way, but our personal will, rather than Christ's will and Yahweh's will. You just gave a good introduction it's, tonight, John. <laughs> so hard to let go. Yeah. And how easy that you become distracted. And so we just keep running into walls and having personal problems as a result. But all we have to do is let go and and let Christ lead us. Mm -hmm. It's damn simple. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And why do you think he says, so he could have just said, and that by believing you may have life. Why does he add... Would it be, did anybody remember what that what it means when we hear this when we hear in his name? Um, where did we hear that before in John? 
where do we hear, where do we first hear about his name? Can we cheat and look? Yeah, of course you can cheat and look. I'm not, <laughs> not cheating when it comes to the word of God. <laughs> <laughs> it's in uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Very good. Yeah. So what does it say there, Chad? Um, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So, going along with what Jason asked, why do we believe? There we have another reason why we believe. So we are his children. So, does anybody remember when we had the discussion, when you see in his name, by his name, what, why does it say that? What is that really referring to? Anybody remember that? the discussion we had? Referring to his title? Well, Jesus Christ. Yes, it's not actually his title here. His authority. Not, not, sort of authority, but not necessarily just authority. So when the term in his name is used like this, it's actually referring to a dynamic relationship that you have with that person. So when he says that you may believe Believing you may have life in his name, it's saying you're having life, in essence, through a relationship with Christ. A living, dynamic relationship with Christ. When he says that you believe um, in his name, who believed in his name, who believed in the sense of having this relationship, ongoing relationship with them. So, um, that when you hear that word, and we're going to see that over and over again in John... It's talking about this dynamic relationship with Christ. So when you guys think of that, how do you do that? Can I ask you something? Yeah. Uh-huh. What you just said, mm-hmm. it, to me it doesn't follow. What you're saying, it sounds like a stretch. You're saying, in his name actually means having a relationship. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. Pull, pull that out of a hat. I don't see how that relates. Well, I can see how right. it relates. Like, in his name is like, if you believe in Jesus Christ, in his, his mm-hmm. name has power. Mm-hmm. So, I think, just I, be- I think just believing in his name means that you recognize his title, his authority, you know that he's Christ, you raised, he's the Messiah. It's all in his name. So, mm-hmm. if you believe in his name, that means you believe the gospel. And that mm-hmm. gives you life. What you're saying is kind of different. Well, it is kind of, but the reason, just so you know where I got that from, is that that is actually, in the Greek, when those terms are used, and going back to the commentary, look at the Greek language, and how those terms are used in Greek, and what they mean, to a person in Greek hearing that, it speaks of, that's how they spoke of having a relationship with someone. So that's actually where I got that. It's actually going back and studying the Greek, and looking at the Greek language of how it uses that term. And that's how, that's what it refers to. It refers, it was a way of people referring to a relationship they have with a person because, like I could say, I have a relationship with um, the men in this group, okay? But if I say I have a relationship with Tom, I'm using what? Your name. And so when I specifically am talking about your name, I'm actually referring to this, this, um, personal relationship that I have with you. So you're not believing in my name. Well, there's a number of scriptural references that where Christ even uses an example of of people that when that day comes and they say, uh, who do you know? And they go, we know Jesus. And he walks up and goes, I don't know you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They used his name, but he didn't know him. Well, that's an example. Yeah, that's an example of them using his name and... 
not saying anything. Not having any magic to it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's no real magic. I'm just going by that's in the studying that I've done, in the commentaries and looking at how people understand the Greek language back then in Scripture, that that's what's consistent that comes up is that term is used by John specifically to get across the idea of a relationship with that person. Um, so that's where I got it from. And not to mention... Reading it on plain sight... And, and, it, and it, it, that, that doesn't that doesn't resonate with the rest of the the Bible anyway. Just the name. Just say his name and you're good. That doesn't that doesn't resonate right with everything else we know. It's all about what is knowledge, right? Is it's all relationship. Yeah. So I mean, it's a good point. I'm just saying, you know, that's where I that's where I got that from. Is it, is, is it, uh, it sort of speaks to this relationship that someone has with an actual person. The other in my name, the one that first came to my mind is uh, John fourteen thirteen, mm-hmm. and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to kind of see how many times this in my name is in John, and kind of all the different references. It's in, mean, there, it's in there a lot. Seems like a lot because mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. talked about like five or six maybe. But what you, that scripture you just read is the basis for all of our prayers that say, you know, in Jesus' name. That's why we say it at the end. It's like putting a little magic on it. Hey, I just put in Jesus' name. Now you got to grant my wish, you know. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's not really deals with magic or magical in that sense. It deals with literally the way people refer to how they have of a relationship with a person, not just a person's name, but them having a relationship. So... And it's anyway, the, uh, the, yeah. the verse 12, so the verse before, it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do greater <laughs> things than these, yeah. because I am going to the Father. Hmm. So it seems like it is kind of correlated to believing, mm-hmm. that he believes in me, because then the follow-up is, and whatever, and I will do whatever you ask me in my name. When I've heard this preached on in the past... Um, it was kind of in the context of in my character, right? Mm-hmm. The name is his character, mm-hmm. right? And so whenever you ask things in his name, like within within his character, so you can't ask him for something that is outside of his character. His character, right? yeah. which is outside of like, him. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's different degrees of believing and there's different degrees of Having a relationship, mm-hmm. and, and you know, in fact, we're going to talk about that tonight. So, yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, exactly. No, you're right, Bruce. I mean, how do you, what do you think about with that? With you, like different types of relationship. I think. Well, there's different degrees. I mean, mm-hmm. you can have a friendship, or you can have a, a very deep relationship with someone, and uh, it's a relationship. But there's different degrees of that relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we see that in Scripture, too, is oftentimes when, when the disciples see a miracle or specific miracles or people, it says they, like, incre- increased their, their belief. Right? <laughs> like, and I can see that in my life as well. Um, different things, God increases my faith or my belief because of, because of the... Um, the compounding effect of the things that he's done. Like, he's done so much in the past, and, of course, going on in the future, he's going to be doing more. Mm-hmm. The more he does, 
increases your belief, right? Because I don't think there's, I don't know if there's a maximal belief where it's like, hey, my belief's 100%, doesn't matter what happens at this point, it's not going to increase or decrease, but it's like... Kinda, it's a journey. Yeah, and it seems like it's increasing, like God can still surprise you. Oh, yeah. And increase you, like, Every wow, day. you know, like, I knew, or I believed, but this thing is, like, really special and, like, increases... My belief so so you're saying belief, and at the same time you're saying the word belief, that's also equating to your, your relationship is becoming deeper and, and more real. Yeah, like either either the relationship or the trust aspect of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Because I think God doesn't ask you to believe for no reason, right? It's like, you know, even in Scripture it says believe, or Jesus will say, believe because you've seen these things, or believe because of these particular reasons, it's not, it's not believe for no reason, mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. he's done something, so believe, Bless right? those who have not seen and yet believe, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I mean, there's that, but even in that situation, with, you know, doubting Thomas, he's called doubting Thomas, I think that's kind of not fair to him, because <laughs> as soon as Jesus demonstrated you know, he asked for more, right? And he was given more. Um, and then he had the highest, the the, the, the highest uh, claim of faith in Christ at that point when he said, "My Lord and my God." Um, no one else had said that to that point, and that was doubting Thomas. So, like, as soon as he was presented the evidence that he asked for. He was no longer doubting or no longer disbelieving. He said, my Lord and my God. Mm -hmm. And that was the strongest statement of faith from that point. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think even Jesus' like, words confirm that. That like you could be think to be revealed and then he could reveal more and like your faith could grow. Because it's like, we were looking at this last night with the kids. Like when Nathaniel follows Jesus, he's like, oh, like what could come out of Nazareth? And he's skeptical and, you know, Jesus says like oh behold someone with no seat mm -hmm. and so like the reason he follows him says this is the son of god is because he, jesus said he seems sitting under a fig tree but even like after that jesus tells him like oh wow like you like it's paraphrasing but like basically you believe just because this but like look what you're about to see so like mm -hmm. nathaniel believed but he only see like he only seemed like something relatively small and compared like to what the rest of jesus was going to do so, going back to that question, that because you guys are sort of answering that right now, but going back to that question, so it, like in Luke 17, 5, it actually, the apostles say, I'll just read 17, 5, it says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Mm. I mean, there they're actually asked, you know, increase our faith. So how do you increase your faith? How do you build your faith? How do you well, it's like <laughs> do that? Similar to, yes, I believe, help my unbelief. Uh-huh. It's like... Which is, yeah, which, that's another passage, right along with that, um, but that one I just read points to, very good. So how do you do that? How do we increase our faith? How do we build our faith? <laughs> I think there's ways, there's ways to exercise your faith, like, to actually put it into practice. Okay. In, in, uh, at the times when you know you particularly need it, because you can choose to have faith, or you can choose to have fear, or something else that's not faith. Um, but then there is the relationship aspect that you're talking about, or that was kind of the point. And to share your faith with others. The relationship yeah. aspect. Yeah, so that's good. So, I mean, so you've got one, which is like, and that's good. When we actually 
exercise our faith, when we actually do something by faith, that increases our faith. That's a way to increase our faith. I think what he just said, sharing your faith, right? What did you say? We can say. Well, when you ask the question, it's not yeah. popped into my mind. It's really stupid, but it's, it's like <laughs> so do, it, do what the do what the disciples did. Uh huh. Follow Jesus. Why? Okay. To see more miracles. So, if we do the same, even with that kind of selfish motive, it works. Because if you really devote your life and follow Jesus, you yeah. are going to see His work. If you blow them off, you're not. Hmm. You know what I mean? You yeah, get engaged. Yeah, like someone like you, who's active as a pastor 24-7, you see more miracles than I do. Not necessarily. I knew you'd say more. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe he more. He's doubting Thomas. <laughs> he doesn't believe. He believes. All right. So give me some, give me some other ways. What, it's what like ways? building a relationship okay. and spending time with how do you do that? How do you do that? Being in the Word. Okay. Um, Arguing at Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, showing up wrestling, on Tuesday night. <laughs> All I was going to say, that, this right here, I, yeah. I, I, amen. <laughs> it's being there, right? <laughs> Did we talk about that last week? Community? Being community? Okay, yeah. being in community? Yeah. Good. Seeking. Seeking that relationship. Seeking mm. the the. Where are you? So just like intentionally going. I, the only way that the, everyone, Isaiah, Ezekiel, the only way they got there was by seeking it. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, P- Peter at one point, Jesus, um, he, he had some saying, and, and then it was a harsh saying, so some of the disciples, not the core 12, left. And then he said to the core 12, are you two going to leave? And then Peter said, Master, where 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 are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life, yeah. right? And so, just recognizing that there's nowhere else to go, He alone has the words of eternal life, and the words are the words that we're studying now. Those are the words of eternal life. Hmm. Okay. And you know, so then that ties back into into studying in Scripture and what mm-hmm. we're doing tonight and what we do throughout the week. All right, good. Yeah. yeah, good. How about others? What? What do you do? What what increases your faith? What grows your faith? Builds your faith? Doing what he's saying when you are not under stress. You know what? Under stress. Hmm. Getting your foundation. Well, everything's okay. Uh huh. <laughs> so not so just, when things aren't, it doesn't just fall. waiting for calamity and then trying to. Huh. Find a basis for your faith. Yeah, you have some real life examples of that, don't you? Yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah. So being prepared. I had a T-shirt time. once. Uh, it said, uh, uh, "Desire is important, but preparation is essential." Hmm. Uh huh. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And I think that says a lot towards your Christian life. Mm-hmm. Very true. There's a, there's a couple things, and I think what we're going to read tonight that really speak to that. I think um, one is uh, four twenty one, three twenty one. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God, and that clearly seen is by the one 
that has come to the light. Hmm. So, so we can see it mm-hmm. when we follow it. Our faith in that relationship is built by going, I did, I came, I did, and here's the result. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly been carried out in God because I couldn't do this. Right? And then um, John, John the Baptist speaking of uh, diminishing. So, so cool. So the, one, will... the one who has the bride is the bridegroom, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him, rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So actually you're bringing out something there that can increase your faith, mm-hmm. which is what? Decreasing yourself. Yeah, what do we call that? Submission. What word? Humbling. Submission. Humbling. Deny. What you say, Tom? Humility. Humility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dying to yourself. Remember we saw that in Isaiah over and over again? God just kept saying, those who raise themselves up, I'm going to go, boom. <laughs> and those who humble themselves, I'm going to raise up. You just see that theme. So often to us. Can I ask you a question about that? It never occurred to me before. Mm-hmm. Who do we humble ourselves to when we're humbling ourselves? To other men or to God? Well, really? Dude, I'm about to come over there and slap you. Are you kidding? <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think no, it's that's it. actually okay. I think it's a little no more deeper than you think. Is that, yeah. is that humble? <laughs> um, I, I'm <clears throat> totally not humbled right now. <laughs> <laughs> I I want to raise you up and say, Tom, I you are you know way more than that. So unless you're unless you're I'm, trying to stir the pot. Okay, well, it, no, no, I think it's a good uh, action. You can tell from my response to your antagonism that I'm not. I'm going to get you. By the way, you guys, he sent me a note today saying, "I hope you're there so we get in the little rumbles." You know, he, he likes. Let me get you guys something like those, like um, what are they? The, what are they called? Boxing gloves or something? All right. I said, I, so, I, I said the two dogs have to show up to fight over scriptural bones. That's right. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's a beauty. Okay. So, I, so just tell me what you're going to say. You, you, what was your point again? My question? Yes, that's your question. When we humble ourselves. Yeah. Who do we, we humble, humble ourselves, ourselves to? Okay, so I want you to hold that question. Now, what were you going to just, just very quickly, what were you going to, how were you going to respond to him to that? Just, if you tr- if you no, try to humble to God or man, that's yeah, the no, question. just yet. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to respond quickly to God? And in doing so, you will have the opportunity then to humble yourself before man. Okay, well, so you stop. Can't you can't go the other way. Okay, stop. Yes, oh, can. hold on, stop. No, you can't. Stop. Yes, you can. Not without God. I want you guys to turn to Philippians two. We're going to like ding. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Back Here we go. Orders. Philippians two. Good, Back good, good. Um, good question. So Philippians two. All right. Think about the question that Tom just that just Tom just asked. Okay. All right, you guys there. Philippians two, page fifteen ninety one in my Bible. <laughs> I'll wait until everybody gets there. Philippians 2 what? Just Philippians 2. Right. 1. Yeah, but we're going to start at Philippians 2, 1. Let me show you. Christ's example of humility? 
Yeah. So, um, do you have it there, Ken? I want to have you. Yeah, I'm getting yours. Pete, you want to help him try to get where it is on him? Yeah. Uh, we'll go around page one. Well, sometimes it's hard to find. Yeah, I, mean, I have to go like this, and thumb go like this, and thumb too. And he's saying, "Be humble, thinking of others." They're all like, they're all like, think, talk, reading ahead. Don't read ahead. You can humble yourself. If you're, you know, a person of the world, are you capable of doing it? Certainly, you are. But that's not, I think, where Tom was coming from. Of course, you can. But there was that the appropriate action. Right? And, and unless you're in God, right? If you're just doing it for... Okay. All right. So, all right. Philippians 2, everybody. All right. I'm going to read it. Um, so it starts out with um, Paul saying, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. Um, Jason and Tom, you guys hear that? Yep. Having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Here we go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So what are you to do in humility? What's the definition of humility here? Counting others. Whoa, 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 whoa. More significant than yours. No, just listen. Just, just, listen. Count others more significant than yourselves. So what's the way that you, in humility, what are you doing for humility? You count others. And by, by the way, that word more significant means in Greek, treating others with a supreme value above yourself. And in the Greek, the verb terms mean always do this. Always. This is something we always do. Okay? We always put others of supreme value above ourselves. That's the definition of humility. Okay? That's how we show humility. But you'll notice that it continues. Let each of you, which is part of another way of how we show humility, let each of you Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's always a tough one. Why do we do this? <laughs> okay, so this is a little different. Mostly Paul, a lot of times you hear someone will say, here's what Jesus did, so now you do that. But What's interesting boy. here is Paul is reversing. He's saying, this is what you do. Why? Because having this mind, look, okay, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is this whole downward thing. And you guys just pretend like you don't see her. She's <laughs> invisible because we're yeah. guys, and, you know, she's just, yeah, she's going to just, like, take pictures because. 
<laughs> you were right. warned. That's where she I was warned. In the yeah, same room. yeah, that was warned. Yeah, yeah. Just so, um, have this fine. Okay. So, anyways, why are we doing this? Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God being grasped, but he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, see this downward spiral. Therefore, God what? highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that in the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and out of the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right. So, in some ways, the answer to your question is yes to both of you guys saying that because what do we do? We humble ourselves to the Lord. But why do we, how do we show that humility? We show that humility by humbling ourselves before others. So, but the answer... Yeah. Was for his question uh-huh. not to man. No. First, you have to answer it in order. Yeah. You can't go both the same. No, yeah. not both the same uh-huh. because you do not know how. You do not have the capability. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the tools right. to humble yourself to man. So until the reason, so you have humbled yourself right. before God. Right. But then. Yeah, sure. Then. Sure. But what I'm getting at, you're, you're right, but you still have to humble. I hear this all the time, like, well, make sure you humble yourselves to God, and then we'll humble ourselves to man, and we never get to humbling ourselves to others. Surprise. So, again, this goes back to who are we to humble ourselves to? Yep. Each other. We can start with each other. Yeah. And why do we do that? But, Jason, why do we do that? We only do that because Christ has done that for us. I get it. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I'm focusing on this the particular question because it's a very confusing thing. What's confusing? For the guys in this room, uh-huh. maybe it's just normal. You can't begin by saying humble yourself to somebody else when you don't understand what humility actually means. Well, when you sure. are in Christ. Right. That's And it says right here. You are right. And I'm assuming here in this passage and with all of us, we're doing this because we are in Christ. I respectfully disagree. If If you're not a Christian, you can still humble yourself. You certainly can. But to what end? And what motivation? Now you're going further. (laughs) Yes, because you have to go further. That's a very slippery slope. That's a dangerous thing to do. Lots of people we see in our world right now. People have humbled themselves to unjust authority to tremendously detrimental ends. And that's not what's being talked about here. It's not being talked about to humble yourselves to others. It's talking about personal relationships. I know what, people, I know what right? Paul's talking about. I'm talking about what yeah, Tom he, was saying. He, no, Tom, I think Tom, <laughs> Tom asked the question, and I want to keep moving out of here. You guys yeah. are like that. Tom asked the question in the sense of who we to humble ourselves to. And the answer is, well, obviously, we're supposed to humble humble ourselves to both. Here, Paul is showing, as Christians, we are to humble ourselves to each other. Humility is a very Christian (laughs) virtue. Yeah. So if you look at the the virtue of the the Greeks, pride Pride. is is a virtue, and like the highest virtue. Yes. But in 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 Christianity, in um, Judeo-Christianity, Humility is the highest virtue, right. and it's 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 very. This is there's no motiv there's no motivation to humility outside of Christianity. Yeah. I think you can be humiliated, you know, <laughs> that's not hard. But but humility and to practice servant leadership, 
that is really, I think, only found in Christianity because there's no, there's no motive, there's no motivating factors outside of Christianity that would drive humility. Right. You know, in fact, it's looked at as a weakness in right. the Greek yeah. world. Yeah, it's, it's looked it's, as a weakness so. from 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 the atheist perspective. Nietzsche, Nietzsche hated the idea of humility. So. You know the survival of the fittest, like the naturalism, naturalistic perspective, Super the weird. Greek. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The will to power, right? Right. And and the uh, and the Greeks <laughs> like the idea of pride. There's so many other systems where it it is about that. And so Jesus says in Matthew twenty twenty five, and he says, "You know that the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you." But whoever would be the great, uh, whoever be great among you, must be your servant, and whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Even as the, uh, the Son of Man came not to not to be served, but to serve, and to get give his life a ransom for many. So this is Jesus like giving us our marching orders because it's you know he says this is not the way of the world, right? There's no motivating factor outside of the Lord telling us to do it. And him demonstrating it for us. Right? Um, yeah, and I mean, so John 17. I would say what you see here, this is Greg's opinion. This is a definition of love. I mean, what he's saying in Philippians 2 here is a definition of love. Love is when we place others of supreme value and their interests above our own. And we lay down our lives for them. I mean, that's ultimately what we guys, when we're married, that's our ultimate call to our wives that is above even their call, which is to lay down our lives for them. But in John 17, we'll see when we get there, if we ever get there, we'll get there, or Jesus will come first, which we always wonder. Uh, in John 17, the call of Jesus is, I, he's praying to the Father and saying, Father, the way my people who I've chosen are going to be a light to this world, and they will know that they have the. They will the uh, the world will know they have a relationship with me is by your love one for, another. for one another. And what's that love for one another? Well, we just read in Philippians two. And this goes back to the two great commandments: love the Lord your God yep. with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Right. So. So, so going back to my question, yeah, where, where were we? <laughs> so going back Still to my hierarchy. <laughs> well, well, well. You know, gee, the, I mean, these as, two are going to humble as, themselves as, to each other. As Jesus, as Jesus laid it out, it was like, the two: yeah. the Lord first, kind of to your point, the Lord first, and then yes. others. And those two things hang hang, hang every. That's right. So um, the answer is that's why I say the answer is yes. The answer yeah. is really. And you can't have one without the other. You can't say, right. I'm humbling myself to God, and then I go, I don't do it with my brother or sister. Just right. like you also can say, well, I'm going to just do that to my brother or sister, but I have no relationship with God. It doesn't make sense. And it just doesn't make sense. That, no. so, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. If you guys turn to page 18, and we read it. Um, chapter 3, verse... 18. Uh, wait a minute. 18? Page 18. 18. I haven't gone through that yet. I, I think we just read it, didn't we? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead and do that. Okay, so, so, it's, so it's chapter 3, verse 20. And this mm -hmm. relates to what we're talking about in the last 10 minutes, because mm -hmm. we're talking kind of about order, or uh -huh. maybe even predisposition. Like, 
I never thought of this before until we read this. Uh -huh. So think about it. For everyone who does wicked things, tends to hate the light and does not come to the light, lest his mm -hmm. work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true tends to come to the light. So I, I'm just thinking out loud uh -huh. that the scripture seems to be saying God's looking at people who are disposed to be good people. And he goes, you know what? You're close. You're coming to the light. The others want to hide themselves in their sin. They don't want to come. They want to be in the darkness. Mm -hmm. So this is this is kind of saying, you know, it doesn't work very well for the guy on death row that gets converted, right? But this is talking about people who are just pretty good people. They tend to come to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense yeah. from this scripture? Well, and I guess you said so the you person on death row, what about the person hanging with the cross of Jesus? You will be with me today in paradise. I, I know, but that, that's like a radical change on somebody who saw... Well, you, you're, you're talking about the de you're talking about an earthly definition of wicked things versus a spiritual definition of wicked things, right? So, so the guy on death row, God might look at him and go, you're as much my child as the guy that has, you know, a nuclear family and has saying, a great job. This is saying goodness kind of predisposes people to coming to the light. Is it? Um, right. I, th I think it, I, you know, going back to Isaiah, if we think about what we were, we were reading in Isaiah, and there was a lot of, um, judgment against the wicked and the wicked deeds and the things that they were doing and how they loved whatever they were doing, like their, their wicked deeds. But then there was also mention of the righteous. And so I think that it's, it's not that good people get saved because, um, this isn't just saying that. Good people tend to come to the light. I don't it understand what you're saying. Though. It doesn't Where say you, tend. You interjected tend. Yeah, it doesn't say no, tend. Doesn't that help? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> avoid, avoid I was that. waiting for somebody to call him on that. <laughs> I, I, I thought he was going somewhere. I'll read it without the word tend. You, you guys are, see what it says. You guys are, yeah. But uh -huh. whoever does what is true comes to the light. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So... Defi yeah, so the key word there is does what is true. true. We know that there's only one definition of truth in all the universe, and that is Jesus Christ, right. who does what Jesus does, comes to the light. The yeah. result will be you will be in the light. Because you're up with the light. Yeah. That's right. And yeah. the light yeah. also yeah. is Jesus Christ. Right. So there's, the, I mean, I think there's the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, again, not that anybody from the one camp can't get saved and, and be in the other camp. But, yeah, I don't think it's like good people tend to get saved yeah. and bad people don't, because it's, it's just... Right. It, the, the scripture is yeah, I mean, the scripture is... Well, we learned in Galatians, right? Yeah. It's, it's, let's just be really, like, just black and white for a second. We is black and white. Yeah. What is it that saves us? Our faith in Christ. Pure and simple. Period. How do we know yeah. we're a Christian? Because we place our faith in Christ, and the evidence is the Spirit that lives in us, as Paul says. So, I mean, it's very much that simple. It's yeah. like, you are either in Christ, or you're not. If yeah. you're in Christ, you're saved. If you're not, you're not. <laughs> and, what, and our role, that's why we're all here and talking about things about helping out the speaking Christ, as we're all doing it, <laughs> um, sharpening each other's sword. As we speak Christ into the world, we're bringing our, our hope as the people will believe to that. 
you know, so they will become in Christ along with us. And in Christ is a relational term. It literally means you are in a relationship with the living Christ. Um, so, closing that off and moving on to our passage tonight, which we this has been a really, really good discussion. Anybody else can just think of anything that you would say, well, let me, I'll put it another way. When you are most struggling or you feel like my faith is just like in the tank or I just, Lord, give me, help my unbelief. Is there anything you've done in your lives that help you, that you would tell someone else to say, this is what really helps me when I'm at that place to build my faith back up? Um, when I just feel like, oh, help me, you know, you're just crying out to God, help me I'm in my unbelief. What are those things you do to get that connection back with God for that belief? Yeah, Jason. Like, super tangible. You're in that moment, yeah. you're struggling, the enemy's uh-huh. just been bombarding you, yeah. right? And you're, you're, you're Lord, you know, find me. Mm-hmm. So we're speaking of this this order of magnitude, right? And so, in fact, Jeff talked about it. Um, and, and when I teach people about the body, the order of magnitude of information is top down, right? The way it, our, we receive that information. Mm-hmm. All things in the universe are set like this, the way God said it. The way we receive information in the body, in the flesh, is from the ground up. Okay, those two things have to be happening all at the same time. In order to be a good athlete, you have to know that. Okay. So, through the body that we're in, that is this, for what I have found is the simplest way is, and I hear God gently telling me, feel your feet. And I do. You get your feet on the ground and breathe through your nose. Just take a couple breaths. Yahweh. Which is God's breath. This is God's breath mm-hmm. and it's God's vo- name. And you and Same suddenly, okay. I'm, I'm aware of myself, mm-hmm. I'm aware of God's creation, and God's voice is moving in and out of my body. And wherever I'm, whatever I'm struggling with, however overbearing the enemy is right at that moment, it just, it just goes away. It's, it, it's miraculous. Good. Good. Okay, so thank others, what, what, is, what do you do? Yeah, yeah really? Kat, thank you. I think yeah, for I'm me, you, it's, that's before amazing. I can even get to that spot, I Wonderful have to fulfill suggestion. my curiosity. Hmm. I feel like I have so much curiosity, um, like that one saying, I think it's in Mark, without you know, giving me, I want to believe, but give me more, help me, yeah. help me believe more, so... I was with uh, Todd Pickett about a month ago, and he was telling me to pray to God so he can talk to me about this. Hmm. And um, I had a really, really great experience yesterday where I got upset about a trip I was going to go on because it was that fire, where the oak fire. Oh, yeah, yes, I made was upset. And I actually, I think in my heart, I, I was... I was so sad that I started crying. <laughs> I know it sounds silly, but I, I actually had tears in my eyes. And I found myself, my curiosity became, like, diminished, and I just started really actually talking to God. And it felt good. It just, it felt really, it 
it felt like the real thing for me. It was really enlightening. I thought about what Todd told me. And I think for me, my faith starts with giving me faith. I need, I need to learn more from you guys. I need to practice it every day in my life. I need to say no when I think it's time to not be around people that I don't think I should be around. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's a little, maybe it's a little different because I have to overcome the curiosity of, you know, first of all, how much do I believe in God? And then how much is he speaking to me? And in a way, it's like whatever you guys do, but you let go of it, you just take this step, and you walk away, and you go like, wow, I don't have these three people with me, or I don't have these family members, I'm all on my own, I'm just going. I kind of look at it that way, I kind of feel like mm-hmm. I'm diving into my faith, and that I'm just going, help me God, help me, help me right now, I'll walk with you. Yeah, it was something I like. I mean, with what you said, which was I've never used thought of the word curiosity before. That's a really good word to use. It goes back to sort of what Jason said too, which is almost like this. And I see that in this apostle in, in Luke seventeen five. What do the apostles say? Increase my faith. Who are they talking to? They're talking to Jesus. They're talking to God. So it's like sort of starts with this like sense of posture. You know, physically, sense of posture where I put my mind of just saying, God, Yahweh, Jesus, increase my faith. Um, just calling out to Him instead of just trying to do something with it. Um, yeah. That's and good. going to your knees yeah. helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, reaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I have two things. One is, biblically, if I'm really feeling the spiritual warfare, Someone taught me this a long time ago, and I've had to use it. Um, especially if I ever feel spiritual warfare, it's mostly, it used to be mostly at night when I just feel really attacked. Mm-hmm. And they said, just open up to the book of Psalms and out loud, loudly, mm-hmm. <laughs> start reading the Psalms and just don't stop until you feel that attack going away. And every single time, God took it away. Um, but the other way that I, for me, that I almost, well, I'd say almost, I'd say 100%, I've been in a super, super bad place. And every time I get out into nature and start hiking, right. God just meets me. For me, that's where I, that's another place where for me, between the Word and between being in God's creation, I just go, I can, I not yet, I've been so angry sometimes. with some like I'm going to just lose it. I can't do this anymore. And I go for a hike. And I've always come back from that high yeah, feeling like feel his presence all around yeah. I think that's what it was for me is that I felt so, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. I, no, I felt no. so, um, not attacked, but like, I just felt like I had been training so hard for this Whitney Summit. Hmm. And, you know, it's like it wasn't my fault that the oak fire started and the smoke is now filling in the valley. <clears throat> but, it, you know, I just, it started like, I started just crying. I, I have no idea why. And then all of a sudden I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to just pray to God about it. And then I felt better. 
It really, it really did feel better because I felt like I was really being selfish at the time. I was being extremely selfish because all it was about, it was just all about me at that moment. You know, what about the people that were losing their houses and the fatalities, you know? Yeah. And all I was thinking about is, you know, I'm going to summit Whitney this weekend. And um, for me, that, I had a moment of really uh, an increased faith in God. Bruce, were you going to say something, or are you? Well, I was just going to say that when somebody is demon-possessed, um, you just call out in the name of Christ yep. to leave. Yep. And it would seem like that would work for... Um, it, it does work. Sadly, I attested to that one time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, I've been taught there's something about vocalizing it in mm -hmm. the air. Yep. Satan's the prince of the power of the air. So he doesn't like to hear singing hymns. He doesn't like you to read psalms aloud. 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 Yes. Because yes. there are evil spirits present and they flee that. And there's absolute truth. That's and, the truth to that. And I have, um, instead of psalms, I have a little uh, song. It's a gospel song and Willie Nelson sings it. And, I sing it out loud. Is that the one you sang in church that time? I think I sang it one. Yeah. But, um, I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. The lily of the valley in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort. In struggle he's my stay. Tells me every care on him to roll. Lily of the valley, the bright and my star, he's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here, while I live by faith and do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, in him alone I think. I forget. So by then, it's subsided. Yeah. How just for all of us, it just did. Yeah, that was, that was lovely. Yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. Proverbs, how many chapters do you have to go through? It depends. <laughs> 31. <laughs> What's the name of that? I have found a friend in Jesus. Okay. Or just read Psalm 119. You just go on and on. Long chapter of the Bible. <laughs> so if you're feeling attacked by Satan, then that's one way of doing it is... Reading psalms or I've, I have seen and given that to other people and shared with other people and seen over and over again. It really goes both along to the power of the Word of God and it goes along to what Tom just said, I think. is there And there's something about the vocalizing of it, mm -hmm. the actual speaking it. Um, I had to do an exorcism one time, which I never even believed. Wow. I doubted myself whether it was actually real or not. I mean, I before I had to do it, I'm like, does this stuff really exist or not? Until I had to do one. And the and I was taught, because I had taken the thing in spiritual um, warfare, very simple thing that Bruce just said. It's, and it, this comes from Acts, where it's, in the name of Jesus Christ, get out. In the name of Jesus Christ, get out. And you say that with authority. It's not magical. It's the power of the name. <laughs> Of Jesus Christ, demons will flee. You might have to, with intensity, say it. You might have to say it louder and louder. But demons will flee with that. 
And that's always been like the way ultimate spiritual warfare, if there's actual true demon possession or something going on, that you will see that happen. Um, that's just a good one. Just always have it in your pocket. <laughs> in the name of Jesus Christ, get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know? So. I've, I've used that quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, throughout the week, you know, a bad thought comes into my head. And I go, oh, I just say, this isn't, this isn't a God thought. And I, I say out loud, get away from me, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And I say it, and my thoughts go someplace else. Uh-huh. Every time. It works. For me. If I'm really down in dumps, what I'll do is I'll pick up, uh, pick up the phone and call one of my good Christian friends I've known for 16 years. And he is a prayer warrior. And I'll just call him up and Kevin, man, I'm, I'm having pain. Well, let's pray. I mean, that's all I have to say. We're, I'm going to have a bad day. He'll say, let's pray. And he sometimes prays for like 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's crazy. He's a yeah, he's a warrior. warrior. Yeah. But it's, wow. that's, 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 those are my go-to. Yeah. All right, so let's turn to our passage tonight. <laughs> Can I just say something about all that? How cool is it that that we all have yes. something that we do yeah. and to have that relationship, that's cool. you know, and to oh, build yeah, out that sure. faith and have it proven out, right? That's so cool. Yeah. And it's so, it's, I appreciate us all sharing. It's just very vulnerable and awesome and strong. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. So I want to pick up, um, so uh, let's see where we are on page 14, and I want to pick up where we actually left off last week. So, um, That's yeah, I know, isn't it? Um, so, we looked at last week the cleansing of the temple, where we read about the whole cleansing story that um, starts of the Passover, um, and we talked about that some, and then... You see that, so so Jesus turns the tables, uh, and then in verse 18, it says, So the Jews said to him, What sign? You remember when we were looking at the water to wine, that that was the first sign. And now they're they're asking Jesus, show us a sign. Okay. And so what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And we talked last week about how, what that really meant. And the Jews said, thinking, of course, they're looking at this humongous temple. Well, it's taken 46 years to build this temple. And like we said last week, the temple was still in the building stage. And you will raise, raise it up in three days. And then it says in verse 21, so this is now the end of that conversation. And now John gives his commentary where he says, But he, being Jesus, was speaking of the temple of his body. And then I want you to notice what it says next. It says, When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And there's this little section just continuing there. It just says, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, so still continuing in the Passover, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, 
and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Mm -hmm. So an interesting little section there. Now, but before, I want you to take a look at verse 22. When therefore, so see what we talked to start Thomas last week. See what John's doing. He's doing this like back to the future thing. Mm -hmm. All right. So he's like, okay, I'm telling you what happened back here. And then I'm telling you, jumping ahead and saying, here are the disciples mm -hmm. when he rose from the dead. Now we're looking back <laughs> at this whole event. Okay. And what, what's the result of that? But notice what it says. This is when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered <clears throat> That he has said this, and they believe the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So is there anything in just that sentence there that sort of strikes you? Yeah. It says believe the scripture. What, what, what strikes you about that? What scripture? What about... What scripture? What, what, good question. What about scripture? <laughs> the, old, the Old Testament. So... <laughs> It's a great, you asked that question. You could say, what scripture? Yeah. I guess you could also say, what, it's, it's in the singular, and I think somewhat on purpose. Not only can I say, what scripture, but you could then ask the next question, and what, what? The word. What word that Jesus has spoken? Well, so, well, what scripture? He's, you know, he was <laughs> talking about raising his body for his body John one. Raised. Yeah. But, but scripture <laughs> when I think so, of scripture I think of words written in a book someplace right like Isaiah yes. so you could think so I guess I think John I, I think the John's giving us a little bit of a play here you could ask the question what scripture like let's go back and look at a verse yeah okay and I might be able to find one I might not and that people come up with different verses. Or I might say, this is the whole the thing. scripture, <laughs> which is really, can refer to anything in mm -hmm. what we would call here the Old Testament, which is what scripture is. I.e., what, what is the Old Testament also leading up to, right? What is it prom what's the promise that it's leading up to, the Messiah? Yeah, then so, on the road to on the road to Emmaus, yeah, um, Jesus yeah. after the resurrection sat there and spoke to them all of the scripture in the Old Testament that that predicted his death and resurrection, basically, and like why these things would happen. So, I, that's the one time I really want to go back to. That's always been like yeah, one place that would be time I want to go back to, to hear that that lesson. Yeah. Just that because like this what do we love? Like, like we're all <laughs> sitting here trying to go oh, <laughs> wrestle with all this stuff. And, Wrestling with scripture is yeah, like, wouldn't it be love to have Jesus just in there going, this, yeah. let me explain it to you. <laughs> so, do you see what I'm saying there? No. So, it could refer, it could, it, it, notice he's not quoting the scripture. So, it could refer to, John could be saying, it's almost like what we said with these two, he could be saying, I'm thinking of a specific scripture in the Old Testament. Or he could be saying, in essence, really I'm referring to any scripture. It's a very fact that you believe because you remembered scripture. 
Okay. Well, that, that, right. imagine growing up with this thing. It's like they don't have a choice. Right? Psalm 69 is one of them. They're having, they're having to read all that, that right. book and stuff. And you're a kid, and you're kind of like probably looking at your buddy going, Can you believe this crap? Right? You buying it? I don't know, man. With all these rules and stuff, I'm not sure if this is the real deal or not. It's a Messiah thing. I don't know. Right? So, just maybe. All right. I'm guessing these guys pretty much did have a, a zeal well, for it. They were all yeah, students of the Word. Yeah. Just more, more I mean, sort of, but they no, were kind sort of, of... all of them. No, they, they knew, they would probably know pretty much... I mean, all the, the, the Jews, yes, they were yeah, students right. of the Word, but did they really believe it? Well, right? That's, that's a different question, right? That's, yeah, yeah so, this is a, so they believed Scripture, all the stuff that was leading up to, the, to, to Jesus. Right? So that's what it seems like to me. That's a general... So I want you to think... That's why they were ready to listen... When he said, come with me, yeah. because they were already searching well, for somebody that fit and, into that. And perhaps he also had something to do with them. So yeah. do you find it odd at all, Dale, that he says, believe the scripture? That they believe the scripture? Or is it more just, I want to know what scripture? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you know, he says, the Because the what do we talk so about we believe? What do we believe? makes something rather specific to me. Okay. You know, he's got his phone. Wait, so uh, in a 69.9. Yeah, that's that's one of them that it could very well be because he had just quoted that. He just quoted. So I wanted right. to, to say something, because um, part of it is like they remembered. And so it's yeah. kind of a big deal yeah. for them to remember because Jesus didn't set a bunch of stuff, right? They were with him for three years. Yeah. So how much of what he said were they going to actually remember? Mm-hmm. And so John 14.25 yeah, okay, and 26 yeah. says... Yep. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, mm. whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance mm-hmm. all that I have said to you. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, so you guys hear that? So you want to know why we were given the Holy Spirit? <laughs> they were given the Holy Spirit? Yep. Well, so they could... People go, well, how did they remember all this? How did John do this? How did the people write this stuff? How did they remember... Well, we just heard God actually, when we hear that the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit, here we actually see it in real time, in essence. We see it in, is that the Holy Spirit that he just read has now come to pass, that the Spirit has brought that remembrance to them. So also read, so you heard, what, did everyone hear what he said that passage? You hear that? So, so um, Pete? Yeah. Since you got there, why don't you read sixteen thirteen too? So, so listen to this one, um, along with what he just said there. So, John sixteen thirteen. When the Spirit of Truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak in His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. And all the Father has is mine, therefore I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Yeah, so one of the main reasons why the Spirit came was to bring this bring the, this remembrance to them about what was said. Um, and to guide them in all truth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, now again, okay, so... Did we got have what Dale was talking about there. Anybody else notice anything just about the statement about they believe the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken? 
Uh, I guess just one thing I was thinking, um, I'm wondering if uh, the scripture and the words of Jesus are put on the same plane. You wonder? Well, <laughs> I mean, they're saying the scripture and the words of Jesus, like right next to each other, right? Right. Like the words of Jesus are scripture. Yeah. <laughs> and scripture are, is? <laughs> the word of God. Word so, very good. So I want you to just notice what's happening here. Theologically, I mean, just not theologically, but literally you're hearing John tell you that the very words we read, okay, the Old Testament, we call script, they call it scripture, and the words of Jesus are put on exactly equal authority, equal footing. And notice that the word believe is used. What did we say the word believe means? We started this whole conversation with mm-hmm. believe means a what you believe in the Re- relationship. It's a relationship. So what does that tell you about how you have a relationship with the living Christ? You do that through scripture. What? What? The word. The word. <laughs> okay. So if anybody ever says, well, okay, I hear all the time. Christians, and we get into this whole discussion, and we use these big words like inerrancy, okay, which I absolutely believe, okay, and we use authority for scripture. So we use inerrancy, we say scripture is inerrant. You know, we use these terms, but what's interesting here is there's even, I would, I'm this Greg's argument, there's even a higher reason of scripture. It's not just authority, it's not just inerrant. It is, this is how we believe and keep believing in Jesus, how we relate with him. That's why we're all here. We're opening this up. We're not opening someone else's book up somewhere. We're opening up the very words of Jesus, and we're opening up the Old Testament. When we looked at Isaiah, all those John saying, that is all how you, to we today, continue to believe yeah. Does that make sense? That's why we have that relationship. That's why we say, when you feel spiritual warfare, speak the word. <laughs> it is the is way we, one of the major ways we relate to Christ today, is being here. And in essence, that's exactly what John's saying here, is these words are the very words of Jesus. And when you're hearing them, we're hearing them. And we're believing because we hear them. That's my hope for all of us. When we go through this, it's not just get a bunch of head knowledge. It's that we are continuing to believe and have a relationship with Christ. Right. Yeah. yeah, Tom. Um, something else occurs to me on this verse is, um, when therefore he was raised from the dead, I think that means when the disciples believed he was raised from the dead. Well, this is when they actually saw him raised from the dead. So they're referring to, okay. he's now raised from the dead, and now they remember so, that. Okay, you say, yeah. so now that they've seen him raised from the dead, but yeah. at that point they believed he had been raised from the dead. So, yeah, the, sure. so they believed in the resurrection, and at that point, these other things happened. They believed in the scripture, and they believed in his words that he had spoken. Yeah. So the preface for all of us, or the prerequisite, is to believe in the resurrection. Yeah, well, amen. <laughs> and that's what Paul says, right? I mean, ultimately, the resurrection didn't happen. Why are we all here? Let's go to the pub and drink some beer or something. Because 
Our right. Fake, our fe- we'll fake is futile without the resurrection. Right? But that's what he's... That's the part that I'm a little... So he's, he's saying that the disciples remembered. That'd be like me saying right now, um, I remembered this group um, reading, reading John. So I guess... John's telling us that that the disciples remember. How do we? How does that give us? How does that give him authority? How does that give him authority? John authority to say. How does he? How do we know that the that the disciples remember? Even getting into the point of scripture. How do we know that? Because John was was the first witness hand exactly. And what's interesting, so one other passage about, goes back to sort of what you're saying, is in John 12, 16, it says, his, his disciples did not understand, so this remembrance doesn't just a matter of like, oh, this popped in my head. Right. But it's like they go, oh my gosh, I get it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so in John 12, 16, oh, it says, his disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him, had been done to him. So you see even this progressive belief of the disciples. You know, they see these things, they hear his words, they believe, but they're still believing. So John's like the eyewitness of seeing, seeing these happen. changes, yeah. this faith happening. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. he was there. Yeah. So you can say, but then it's like on top of that, like we know we can remember stuff in the past, but on top of that, there's like a spiritual aspect, which is just, you know, heightens it and makes sure that what's recorded, God, God has exactly recorded what he wants recorded and it's imprinted on their memory and it's pulled out of them by the Holy Spirit. Right. That's really cool. And, and remember yeah. those two things that are happening. Yeah. Those two things are happening here. We could go out and grab someone on the street right now that's not a believer, bring them in here, and they could be like listening to them going, you guys are talking about your Bible. I mean, I don't believe any of this stuff, right? Because what does it take we talk, What does it take to create that belief? We see that happening, actually, in what John's saying here, too. What, what, takes, what does it take for that belief, ultimately, today? Sort of two things, I'm going to say. One is... The Holy Spirit, ultimately, I have to believe in the living Christ and say, you're my Savior, and I'm placing my trust fully in you. At that time, what happens, that spirit that's being talked about in John comes in us, which then, as we read these words, we also understand. And we go, ah, now I get it. Now I see it. You have to have both of those working together, the Word of God and the Spirit of God, work together to present Christ to us as a living person we can relate to. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, with, the, with the disciples, the disciples were with Jesus for three years, but he taught them for three years intentionally, progressively revealing different things to them. And, I mean, at, at a certain point he said, I have many other things to tell you, but you can't bear to hear it now. Yeah, right? right? Uh, right. Which is yeah. like, all in due time. This is a process. I'm teaching you. And by the, by the end of the third year, you're going to be graduated and, you know, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit to then go out and, you know, change the world, right? Like, get, get the gospel message out there. But it was a progressive thing for them. Yeah. 
Which, yeah. as I asked you the question at the beginning, faith to us is, is still a progressive sanctification. It's like believe and keep believing. We had our initial call where Christ came into our lives, and then we have this thing while we're all here, keeping at it. <laughs> keep believing. And we and have to keep Christ ourselves in the, in the person that walks into the room that we grabbed and says this is Babel, is Christ in is Christ still in him? Is 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 Christ is when you guys were talking a little, little yeah. bit ago about that the wicked people um, have to turn it on. I mean, is Christ still within the person that doesn't believe? I, I guess I'm saying that wrong. What am I trying to say? Is, I thought <laughs> no, I you're not it, saying it wrong. I think you're. I see what I'm question. asking is that that we ask Christ to come into our lives, right? through the Holy Spirit and, but the person that that may not believe or he's not sure if he believes he still has that opportunity correct that's mm-hmm. correct right he still has that absolutely he has the opportunity but, to turn around the Holy out. Spirit in that person too that's I guess that's just yeah. the blunt question yeah uh, no <laughs> right no. Yeah. no in that person mm. In that person, I would say no, based on what, like the Apostle Paul says. Yeah. Working on yes. that person, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It could be with, like, yeah. around, or, you know, guiding that person. And there's this idea of, like, the hound of heaven. Yeah. Where, right. like, God is after the you, and you feel, and you feel him, and it's like, even if you're trying to maybe resist, it's, it's. Yeah, like he he'll kind of guide your guide so your the life, spirit, but not but that, you yeah. until right. you are born again. Right. And once you're born again, because you have to accept. Right. Yes. And you have <laughs> yeah. to you have to say, I see, and that's why. Why do we? Why are we talking about speaking Christ here? Because ultimately, you have to hear <laughs> that word. It says in Romans, how do we come to faith? Through the hearing of the word of God, mm-hmm. which then through the Spirit impresses on our heart, and we have a choice. We can turn away, or we can turn to Him. When we turn to Him and say, and, you know, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I'm putting all my allegiance, my life is yours. He says, here I am, I'm bringing that life into you now. And now the Spirit lives in you, as a testament to that. And all those changes start happening. Like, you start reading this, but it didn't make sense before you go, oh my gosh, I feel God's talking to me now. So, I, you know. And it says here, like the one thing I read and Tom reread is, is if you are seeking the truth, mm. yeah. you'll get there. If you are love the darkness more than the light, if you love your wickedness more than you love the truth, then you won't. So I want you guys to notice, uh, verse 23 then, notice what Jesus does here. I'm going to sort of speak it in Greek on purpose, not the whole thing. Not the whole thing in Greek. So this is how we would read in verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem, so this is like a little paraf- a little um, transition statement that's going to happen before we get to Nicodemus. Where are you? So I'm sorry, uh, verse 23 on page 14 at the very bottom. So, anybody, everyone, anybody, you guys remember what the word is in Greek for belief? Pistis. Pistis. Very good, Bruce. Excellent. Nice, Bruce. Keep, keep that in you. What is the word for faith? 
Pistis. What's the word for trust? Pistis. Okay? So, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many... What? Pistis. Pistis. <laughs> in his name, when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not... Pistis. Did you just hear Pete say that? Yeah. That's exactly right. That's kind of but crazy. Jesus on his part oh. did not pistis himself to them. Hmm. We place our pistis in Christ. And one of the, and this really hit me, one of the earlier. number... One of the number one re ways that we don't translate, that we sh probably should, the word pistis, one of its most common ways it's used in Scripture, not everywhere, it means, so sometimes it means head knowledge, but not mostly just head knowledge. It can mean just like literally something that I believe in. It can also mean putting your trust, but the most common use of it, and in Greek, this is, if, if I had, I wish, um, Eric was here because I talked to him one time about this. But if I'm in the military, okay, I always have someone who is, what, above me, right? And that means that I place my pistis in that person. It's a military term meaning allegiance. And that is how it's used most often in the scripture, that when you believe, it's not just this head thing, it's not even just this trust thing. It's that my allegiance, everything about my life is now placed in the hands of Jesus Christ. I am fully in allegiance to him. He is what I look to for everything in my life. Okay, And so here you see, Jesus, we are to do that with place our pistis in him. But thank God, <laughs> he never places that in us. Because he knows our heart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Allegiance goes yeah, one way. In the military, you're the, you're the person who you report to, okay, he doesn't follow you and put pistols in you. You, It's always a, a one-way thing. Chain of command. Chain of command, right. Okay. We place our pistis in the one who is Lord of the universe, period. And there's only one. <laughs> Christ. Do so you guys see that? Isn't that interesting how Jesus here specifically uses... He doesn't use the word unbelief. He doesn't use a different word. He actually uses... That's literally the same word as belief. It's pistis. Uh, he does not do that in us because he knows ultimately our heart. And we're going to see this interesting in, in this throughout John. You're going to see examples of where Jesus, you see that divinity of Jesus because he knows what's going on in our heart. Better than we do. Yeah. Better, well. That's an incredible right. thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he knows right now what's going on in all of our hearts. <laughs> you know, that can be scary sometimes, but he does. But it also can be comforting. Like, he really knows what I'm going through. He knows mm -hmm. what I'm struggling with. He's put that pistis in us. It's interesting, it says kind of like the book ends again because yeah. mm -hmm. um, when he came into Jerusalem in the final act, 
they were saying Hosanna, Hosanna, and he didn't entrust himself to them either. That's, that's right. Because uh, if he did, he'd be like, you're right, take me to the throne. You know, and the mob would have delivered. Make me your king. Right. He right. would have entrusted himself to them to, and kind of a, our word would be elected. And here, you know, he's not doing it for the same reason he doesn't do it later. He doesn't trust them. He knows what's in man. There's a bunch of sinners in that group mm -hmm. that were in the, <laughs> earlier in the very same passage believed in his name. Yeah. They believed in his name. Yeah. So you're the Christ. And he says, uh, I don't trust you. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. That's why it says, Jesus never says, people do this sometimes. Well, Jesus is my buddy, he's my friend. Guess what? Yes. Nope. <laughs> it never says that he's our friend. If he says that we're his friends. It never is the other way around. John 15, we're going to see that. Okay. It's, we, you know, hey, you're, hey, you're my buddy Jesus, you know, let's go for a little walk. You know, like we're somehow on equal terms or something. Uh-uh. Uh. No. He calls us friend, but we are always in that that mode of allegiance to him. Subservient. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we can entrust ourselves to him. Yeah, we can believe. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's the whole point, right? Exactly. That's yeah. But he can't, as Greg said, thank thank Jesus that he doesn't do that because we couldn't handle that pressure. Any other comments? You guys have any other things with that? You didn't get to Nicodemus? We're going to get to Nicodemus next week. Tom, what did you say? I'm sorry about that, your part, your question again about the end. About what you saw at the end, what you just said a second ago about the inclusio, what you saw with the... In this, in this passage at the beginning of his ministry, he's in Jerusalem for the Passover. What we're just reading just... And, uh, they they called him. They believed in his name, so let's assume they're saying he's the Christ. But Jesus, it's Jesus Christ. So that's good. It's kind of like at the very end when he comes into Jerusalem, they're saying Hosanna in the highest. They're calling him the Christ as well. And in both cases, he doesn't entrust himself to them. I mean, a manly, a human would have. It's like, whoa, look at this. God, Glory. Yeah. And, and, and we can't expect the, the Antichrist to do that. Because Jesus says, I come in my Father's name and you don't accept me. Another will come in his own name and him you will accept. Hmm. That's interesting. In his name. Yeah. It's about all about the name. May not power. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, it just reminds me of the, um, the, the verse in Isaiah that's also quoted um, in, in John the Baptist. The, the bruised reed. He will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. I never could figure that out. Um, where you know he's he's going around doing all these miracles, but he's he's not being showy about it. And he also tells people don't. He tells people oftentimes don't Just, say anything, right, right. or he doesn't want to necessarily declare himself the Messiah because I think for this reason, right? He doesn't want to entrust himself to people. Right. Well, he's he's waiting for his time, right? He's waiting for yeah. his time, and his time was was when he came in at the triumphal entry, where yeah. he right. did accept the praise, 
Not that not that he necessarily entrusted himself to, to the people, but he accepted the praise and the worship and the recognition as the Messiah at that point, whereas before that he was kind of concealing it and just, um, you know, kind of somewhat flying under the radar. I mean, I guess I don't know if you could feed 5,000 people and, like, really be under the radar, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, a lot of people knew about him, but I think for this reason, it, he... he uh, I think that motivated a lot yeah. of his ministry. All right. Well, as we end, um, I'm going to hand this out. I don't usually find articles or anything that I go, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's really good and where it's worth to hand out. Um, I thought this one was. This is uh, this just came out this week. It's um, And it speaks, it speaks a lot to what we've studied in Isaiah. It speaks a lot to what we're doing in John right now. Um, it's actually called Speaking. It, it was written by a guy who's a theology professor. Um, it's called Speaking of Unbelief, which is what we're talking about right now. Uh, but I thought I'd give it to you just to read, and you guys just read your own. It's because it's interesting because he's addressing sort of the Christian, or the Christ, our, our time as Christians right now, about how we let the world want to tell us what's going wrong with the church, <laughs> okay? And he, he sort of provides a corrective to that. Um, and anyway, so you can read it at your leisure, but there's one point I want to sort of, one thing I, I want to quote in here um, that I thought just fit exactly with what we're talking about. That's great. Um, and John right now, and why we're here, um, and this whole idea, yep, I'm here too. So you can read it in general, oh, but I'm going to just one part of it. Alright, so I want to end on this just as a reminder again that one of the things we're trying to do here is not just be ones who sort of get together, share, do all this. But we're trying to, we're, we're saying we want to take this word that has the power to bring people to Christ and we want to start learning to talk about that to other people. Okay. And that can be, I want to emphasize again, to be create, you know, be creative in how we do that. Not just the usual, just thinking of, oh, we're going out there, you know, just Jesus is Lord. Okay. But how can creatively two, and I'm going to say two Christians and non Christians, Start speaking Jesus. Start speaking Christ to others. Start bringing him into conversations. Because we just heard today, what's the power of that? That power of us speaking that to others changes the world. Because we're bringing Christ into the world. If we, none of us would be here right now if we did not hear the word. If someone did not speak it to us, none of us would be here right now. Um, and so what I loved about what he says here, the way he puts it is, um, it's at the last, the last, uh, chapter, uh, page two at the very bottom, and I'll just read it. I thought he summarized this well, but you have to read the context of it, the whole thing. But I just thought he put this really well. Um, he says, the gospel, which is obviously ultimately the scripture and the words of Christ and the words of the apostles. The gospel is an effective, meaning it brings things about. 
The gospel is an effective instrument of faith, and it is so only in its enunciation, only when we speak it out loud. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from by the preaching of Christ. The gospel must be proclaimed, it must be given voice. But that enunciation produces effects that no sociology, which is what his point is here, could ever make sense of. Consider the fact that the gospel's articulation can have the odd effect of even causing unbelief. A to what we're talking about here. Paul's assertion that the folly of the cross is the wisdom of God marks out a mystery that sociology can never penetrate. Even more so does Paul's announcement that it is just this, socially bizarre, it's just as the divine mystery of which he is not ashamed. So again, emphasizing this power of the spoken word, the power of speaking Christ into the world. That's the hope of this world. It's not in all the sociology that he talks about here. So it's an interesting article, so, so read that. Um, and then I want to end, sort of summarize what we all just said from Jude. Um, hey, Jude. No, sorry, that one. <laughs> okay. um, from Jude, and this is, there's only one chapter in Jude. So this is Jude 1. And I, I love how Jude sort of pulls all this stuff together that we've been talking about. He says, but you must remember, beloved... This is verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers, following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Now, I know you guys never see this in the world right now, right? No? Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Good, good captures like, Wow. Things aren't so much different today than 2,000 years ago. And then he says, It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. There's what we were talking about, Ken, having that Spirit inside of us. Or not. But you, which is all of us, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. He started with how do we increase our faith. Building us up in our most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. And I love this part. How are we to interact with those people in this world and have mercy on those who doubt? Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory and great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. And all God's men said, Amen. Amen. Greg? Yes? Can I grab you guys for a minute. Yeah. Love so uh, I think I told you this last week. Uh-huh. I was in yeah, Mexico sure. the week before and uh, on fishing and a 20-year-old deckhand um, kept coming around me and I realized that he wanted to talk. And apparently the reason he likes to be out on the boat is because he gets in a lot of trouble when he's in land and he told me that he had 
a drug and drinking problem. And he just kind of spent a lot of time talking to me and asking me questions and turned out he had a really bad burn on his hand and um, so I prescribed him a, uh, an antibiotic and um, he sent, he texted me this and I was going to share this with you quick. He says, hey Ken, it's Cameron from The Game Changer. Thank you again for the antibiotic and the book recommendation. Feel free to keep my number and reach out anytime. Have a blessed day. And what was the book recommendation, Ken? The one year Bible. Because where I, that's where I started three years ago because mm -hmm. I didn't know where to start. And he said, um, and I said, you're welcome. Remember Jesus. And like I said, I, I don't really know how to talk, and I'm learning here. So this is what I said. I said, you're welcome. Remember Jesus every day. You wake up. Thank him for waking for waking up and dying on the cross for us. And he writes back and he says, Amen to that. I will. My day ends. My day ends up better when I do. Real talk. I greatly appreciate you looking out and feel free to hit me up anytime. I'll let you know how the the one year Bible is when I get it. Mm. Awesome. So that is speaking awesome. speaking Christ in the world. It's yep, beautiful. Okay. And yeah. the thing is, I never went on the boat and started saying, hey, good news. <laughs> I had a fishing pole in my hand, a 20-year-old with a problem, came up to me and said, what it is about you? Can you tell me your secret of meditation? And I said, oh, that's good, but that's not my real thing is right now. I said, I'm, it's my faith in Jesus Christ. And I said it with conviction and not mm -hmm. like I was preaching. Yeah. And he gravitated towards that. And I just think, to me, that was just really awesome. Mm -hmm. I, felt, yeah. I felt like this group encouraged me to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and what's, his, what's this guy's name? Cameron. Ca Cameron. 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 All right. So, Father, we just pray for Cameron right now. I thank you for just giving Ken through your spirit, the courage to share with him and just to be there for him, and just Amen. to love him. And Father, we pray for Cameron right now that he will come to believe in you, Lord, and that he will come to keep believing in the name of Jesus Christ. So Lord, be even as we are praying right now, by the power of your spirit, can Cameron right now sense and respond to that spirit right now, We love you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.